Welcome to the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran Kumar, founder and host of You're Not Invisible After 50. Despite the title, you don't have to be over 50 to listen to this podcast. No matter whether you're 25, 45 or 65, we can all learn lessons from each other to help us build a better, more fulfilled life. Come listen to the inspiring stories of all the phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. They are not invisible. I'm not invisible and neither are you. So no matter what society says, life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning. Welcome to the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran and host of this podcast. We're all about showcasing phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. You'll get to hear all the inspiring stories why you don't have to be invisible after 50. So sit back and enjoy the wonderful life story from this week's guest. My guest today is Dr. Jasmine Fadisito. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Karen. It's lovely to meet you. And thank you so much for inviting me to speak today. Well, I'm so glad. Let's just give the listeners a little bit of a history. You actually reached out to me, which I thought was really fantastic. And um, because through LinkedIn. Um, and I just thought it was wonderful because something resonated with you. So I am so, so glad that you've uh, joined us today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I'm going to get you, Jasmine, to introduce yourself to our listeners in one line or more, if you wish, uh, before we move into the body of the podcast. So what would you like to say about yourself? I'm a, I'm a pioneering artist. I'm a polymath. And I'm um, very interested in how we kind of go into a new conceptual age in which we kind of learn how to hold opposing ideas together. Oh, interesting concepts, and we'll talk about that in a little <laughs> while. Um, so in this podcast, we cover your life story. We start, of course, uh, naturally in the past. We will move on to the present and what you're doing currently. If there was a trigger point at 50, um, and if that changed your life at any point, and what the future looks like without, and then at the very end, we finish off with um, the bonuses. So let's start at the beginning. So anywhere in the past you wish to start and give your story. It's it's one of the reasons one of the reasons I reached out is that um, I realised that there's a huge we've never really had populations living to the ages that they are now, and it's almost like we have to understand reinvention and also this idea of holding two opposing ideas, allowing space for people to understand um, differing viewpoints and overcoming our cognitive bias. And I realised that I have been doing this effectively my whole life ever since childhood, which you can only join the dots in retrospect. You can't join the dots going forward. So um, I grew up with uh, an Italian father and a French mother. So although I was born in this country, I had a very European upbringing. And again, it's only in retrospect, I realized that my my cultural visual history was, was huge and was defined by Europeans in particular. But of course, having immigrant parents, the idea that even though I was very good at art when I was a child, the idea that I might be an artist was just, well, no, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer. or a... And I was going to become a medical doctor, but my life kind of imploded at the age of 18. So I didn't do my exams. I um, went off and did an awful lot of varied jobs for a couple of years and realized that I missed my mind. 
because I had a good one and went back to redo my A-levels, went off to do science, eventually ended up doing a PhD in physics at UCL. But the whole time that I was doing the physics, and this is, what, 30 odd years ago, the whole time I was also doing art. And I had no idea at the time, Karen, that this was highly unusual. Right? Because even at the time, people kept going, but I don't understand, how can you do both? And again, in retrospect, you don't realize that you've been a bit of a role model for something, because that's not how you intended to start out. You're just doing things because you love doing them. And so when uh, I left UCL, I thought I never want to do physics again. I wasn't <laughs> rigorous enough to do that. Um, but, you know, I realized that I could think differently. And I remember we set up a consultancy. I had a business partner at the time. And we were doing some of the first outreaches in the country. We were working with so many children and teachers. And it was my day job. It meant that I could work two or three days a week. I could still do my art practice. And I also had my son very soon after that, who's now, who's now 25. And it was very important for me because my parents had not really had the time to spend with me growing up, that I was a very hands-on mum. Uh, and it's funny, I was thinking about this, I was thinking, how did I do all of those things at once? But uh, so that kind of happened. And then as I was doing that, my art practice was growing. My family still couldn't understand the struggle. Going, you know what, if you'd gone down the physics route, you would have been very comfortable. But I knew, I tried it for one year and it just wasn't, just wasn't me at all. And um, so as I was doing the science, it became more about the science and maths and art. Then it became about science, maths and art and the environment. And I realized after having spoken to ten, literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of kids, that I had a responsibility as well in terms of what was happening in the environment. So I often call myself an accidental activist. You know, I'm not perfect. I don't recycle everything. I still eat burgers. And what worries me again with all of these things is that people imagine if you're not completely perfect at something that you shouldn't endeavor to do anything at all. And I guess one of the reasons I reached out to you as well is I remember reading an article in The Guardian years and years ago where the journalist actually said, today I realized I became invisible. And it really, and this was way, this is when I was much younger and I remember thinking, I never want to be invisible. And, and how does that happen? And um, and I think, again, one of the biggest sort of issues we have at the moment in society is intergenerational conversation. And I think that's also one of the reasons I reached out and that we don't value things that are not monetized sufficiently. And usually those are the things that women have done historically, not always, men do as well. But if we could put a value on housekeeping and caring and nurturing and remembering the birthdays and you know what, most people couldn't afford us. For me also, I have really experienced the, um, how difficult it is in the art world, right? And I would not, it's only as I've gone through it and and gone, and now it's it's even more disparate because either you have to be straight out of college or you have to be just about to die. And there's a huge swathe of incredibly talented artists in the middle that don't get the visibility. I mean, we have the superstar effects. People go, yeah, but there's, there's you're your consumer and all. Yeah, but that they are very few and far between. You know, something like less than 10% of the, the artwork in museums is by women. And then you even have other women sometimes, male and female artists, that will say, yes, but if you've had a child, for example, you compromise your work. And that, it, that is utter, utter nonsense, because if anything, 
the fact that you you have to focus and because I remember this when when Kieran had just been born we needed to get the deposit together to to move the house and I was doing a really big commission and I had him on my back he was he was in a papoose he was on my back and I was painting and I was so focused you know the two hours when he was asleep I got so much work done so I didn't prevaricate I didn't have time to contemplate my navel <laughs> and and also it was uh this is not just for me this is for you to put bread on the table so it really really focused me um but again in terms of if you think about the um, art world of course you can you can you know you can be wonderfully talented and come up with new ideas when you're young but not just the art world it was also in the science world when you think of Nobel Prize winners People always think that you've got to have had your best idea by the time you're 25. And that's utter nonsense. If you look at Darwin or you look at Virginia Woolf, or you look, they all had big breakthroughs. And, and you know, the creative jobs joined so beautifully much, much later in life. But we don't celebrate that. We mm. celebrate the Forbes under 30 or the, you know, or what. But we don't celebrate that. Oh, my goodness, you're this age and you're still doing groundbreaking work. You know, mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to apologise for it. Yeah, and I think that the days of apologising um, hopefully are going to be long gone because I think this is where the, this movement comes in of women's voices um, because, as you said, you know, you have to, in, in a lot of entertainment um, industry, sorry, in the entertainment industry or in the art world or in other fields as well, women are forgotten at 50 but now we need to showcase that women are as you said uh, Jasmine that people are doing the work they're doing and they still are phenomenal right they're just and they're breaking barriers they're making impact and you don't get to hear them and again not sounding you know yes I am I'm proud of this podcast because we're having people's voices we're showcasing women who are doing work across the world and this is like this is where this change starts to come um when you showcase not just one woman but hundreds of women yes. around and, the world. and I really do believe Karen that it's fundamental to how we change because if you look at society it is so polarized but uh so for example I am working with some very wonderfully young curators at the moment and the intergenerational conversation is of paramount importance to me. Mm -hmm. So let's try and park what you imagine that I'm like, what I imagine you're like. And from the neuroscience point of view, I've always, I've been very, very interested in how we have ideas and how we come up with things, you know, creatively. And I was reading about something the other day called, um, what is it, fluid uh, as opposed to crystallized intelligence. So when you're young, you have, you know, bang, 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 lots and lots of ideas. But when you're older, you have this crystallized intelligence because you've got so many dots to join. And, and I think that's so wonderfully exciting because you think you can't possibly have had that experience when you're young. You can't. You just haven't got the years on the clock. But if you can recognize that actually this is a superpower in its own right, it means that you never get old you don't get old in your thinking and I think that to me is so 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 important not to get old in your thinking as long as obviously you're lucky enough to have your health and the ability to do things which is fundamental as well so let's um, move on to the present um what's happening in your life in your work what you're doing so um I've always been I guess because of the crossover between science and art for me um I've it's always been about bending materials to uses that, you know, in different ways. 
I've learned that as exciting as that is, I always used to imagine that innovation and the idea were everything. And I now realize it's not, it's timing, which again is another wonderful reason to do this podcast because the timing has to be right for people to hear. And you also have to have the right team of people around you. And that can take a very, very long time. So um, I'm still working in, and I'm the only artist in the world to be using it. So this material that was not intended for sculpture, but it actually cleans the atmosphere of the NOx. NOx, nitrogen dioxide gas is the brown, horrible stuff that exacerbates asthma or gives you breathing difficulties. We now realize that it's also related to dementia and even to um, how children develop in the womb, for example. So it's huge. And I've had so much resistance to this work. And that, that again, is a thing that I really learned, that sometimes even when you're trying to do things that you know are good, people just go, well, why isn't it everywhere? And you go, well, I'm trying. <laughs> mm. You know, I'm one person and I'm trying. So I'm still working with the sculpture. We're, we're hoping to go to COP28, which, again, is about, for the longest time, I thought, if, if you want to do things that are good, you need to keep... How do you have the conversations with the people that are doing the harm? Mm. And I realize you cannot create change unless you try and, as I say, this idea of holding two opposing ideas, unless you get in a room with somebody who doesn't think like you and you're prepared to listen. And whether it's age or, or profession or it's gender or whatever it is, that I guess that's one of the reasons I really wanted to come on here to say to people, we have to be able to listen better mm. and to try and, think what is it actually like to be in those shoes because we're not we're not going to kind of you know cure the environmental issues so there's that and also the other there's I've got some other exhibitions and things coming up but oh and we've just we've just um I also thought right I need to take a bit more power back from the galleries and the art world per se and not wait for everyone to give me approval and so with my painting so many people said love the work but can't afford it so I have, um, we're just launching my first online shop, which is much more difficult than I realized. And we've, we've got jewelry and stuff on there as well. So I'm sort of doing the big, some of the big projects and smaller projects as well. But my most exciting thing, and it's taken me a long time to get around to it, is I thought really ideally, um, you know, I've taught a lot of engineers, a lot of designers, I've done a lot of teaching. That's, that's how I paid the bills as well. Uh, but the idea of more sustainable living uh can so we've been looking at small holdings sort of out in wales or further outside of london and the idea is to create a space which is about food which is about trying to get off the grid a bit which is about me having more space to spread out my sculptures and make the work but also it's about creating community so we've been talking to um various trusts and things like this and I really want to create a model of how we can do things differently. And it's exciting for me because at this stage of my life, you know, a lot of people will be going right now, I've got to put my slippers on and get, nope, got to put my running shoes on so, <laughs> and get and get really busy. And it's changed my behavior because I'm going to the gym more. I'm, I'm realizing I need to be strong as a sculptor. I have to be strong anyway. And, and I guess health is really, but it's, a, it's about changing some of the global um, conversations. So I'm on the trust of various things as well and trying to get people to realize that however negative we can think the world is, there are hopeful stories. It's stories of symbiosis. And again, the age thing is fundamental to that. This intergenerational discussion, I think, is so, so important. 
There's so many valid points that I could pick up there. I mean, I think is one thing that kind of struck me right at the beginning of what you were just saying, Jasmine, was about, you know, you know, facing resistance. In fact, I was just doing, I was just doing some reading around being a disruptor. I've actually changed the title of my LinkedIn profile to disruptor because I've realized myself that you, if you want to change anything, you've got to go against the grain. And yeah. that's what you're about. So that's one thing that I kind of, that resonates with me. Absolutely, extremely well said, Jasmine, extremely well said. Um, I'm going to go slightly backwards. Uh, the trigger point, was there a trigger point at 50 that you had that you thought, oh, I'm going to do things differently? It, it wasn't in my 50s, it was in my 40s. And, um, and I wasn't looking. This is the other thing that's really quite interesting. I wasn't looking for a growth in awareness. I wasn't. I wasn't going on this journey of self. It kind of, it, like most things, it snuck up on me. And I remember I was doing three jobs a day. I was I was like up at six. I was in the car, I was driving all over the country. And I remember one day, God, this is quite personal, <laughs> uh, literally pulling over in the car and just bursting into tears. And I thought, why am I crying? And I remember sitting there and I literally said out to the universe, listen, I don't really care if you make me happy or sad, but I need to feel again. I realized I got to that stage of indifference where you are just, you're just functioning, but you're not feeling. And, and you, in order to get that back, you know that there has to be transformation. It doesn't happen overnight. So that was one thing. And then I'm a great believer in synchronicity. So when you open the doors and go, okay, I'm not happy, something needs to change. Then you meet people who can change your world. And I didn't meet this amazing woman. I didn't know what shaman was. I had no idea. You know, I'm a physicist, for goodness sake. So she would talk to me about shamanism and I would talk about physics and we would kind of bounce off each other. So again, this idea of holding two opposing ideas. And I learned so much from her. Mm-hmm. And and then the penny dropped. And I thought, actually, I never really, you know, I'm a city girl. I've never paid attention to, to the woods and the forest. And, but you know what? When you go out, you it reduces your cortisol when you feel the grass under your feet it, it grounds you and it all sounds a bit woo-woo but I'm not woo-woo <laughs> and that and that was the thing I thought wow there is something really very deep here that I've never I've never appreciated and it then went into my work and I started using a lot of found objects as well as the ceramics and things like that so this is the story that I'm trying to tell that everything is is interlinked but it was all down to her name is Susan Jones and she was quite extraordinary and I didn't realize that the whole we only used to speak on the phone sometimes for hours and she was therapizing me (laughs) she was actually helping me overcome some of my let's face it it's nearly always something from childhood and it's not because your parents are to blame or anything else but there are issues that you have to deal with in order to be able to move on absolutely absolutely thank you for that so what does the future look like for you? What does the, what? So yes, so creating a space which is um, so much of my work now is about, it started off about pollution because my son, when he was 18, I'd never thought about air pollution again. And then when Kieran was 18, he had a massive asthma attack, which he'd never had before. And this was obviously pre-COVID. And so I was sitting in A&E and watching him on a ventilator. And I thought, wow. We breathe something like seven, I think it's seven billion. If you live to about 80, you have something like 700 million breaths in a lifetime, right? But we very seldom give them any thought. And I thought, I need to do some work on this. And then, as I say, a couple of years later, I met an engineering company that were working with this amazing material. So I'm still working in that. 
Um, taking a little bit of a break from public art because it's it's really hard work mm -hmm. and it's not particularly well funded. So I'm concentrating on the smaller pieces. But COP28 is going to be really important. How do we present new narratives? And as I say, trying to set up a new home, moving out of the city and trying to set up something in the countryside, which is going to be from scratch. But trying to create a model that I want to share. So we will write about it and say these are, you know, I've, I've never really grown anything, but my partner is a horticulturalist. So how do we take all our skills and and create something that's new and beautiful and useful? And I'm hoping that my son will come and help us build as well. So there's that, there's that coming. And obviously just... Just I'm always making and painting and um, trying to make sense of the, the sort of series I'm making at the moment is is based on something called the evolutionary arms race, which Darwin talked about that um, that one species can only exist if there's another. And he kind of discovered an orchid that required a very special moth. This idea is, again, fundamental to this idea of holding two ideas together. So, yeah, it's about making work, about creating a whole a whole new vision of things. So it's kind of. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I know that they're, we, they're already finding partners and people that want to join in. And I'm working with uh, one of the universities in London, which is the first of its kind. So it's an in, in interdisciplinary university where it's a BA, BSc, for example. So you solve projects based on whatever subject you need to learn. This, for me, is exciting because I always feel as if I've been a bit of an outsider trying to join all these various subjects. And the fact that it's now becoming mainstream, because I I really do think on the whole, the education system does not teach our children how to think. I think that's really fundamental because I think, you know, trying to work out solutions for problems that we have in the world is an exciting way forward because the change will come and people will be able to work on practical skills to create a change that's going to be important for the world going forward, right? And I think that is a different way of learning. And you're absolutely right. Learning by rote is not going to make a difference to the world, right? So if you're using your brain to solve problems, that's where new innovations come in, new technologies come in, new ways of doing things come in. And that's what we should be promoting. And I think congratulations to you on that, because I think that is really the way to go forward, because I don't think there's enough of that and people do need to start solving problems and being kind of excited about doing that trying to work you know do something different to work against the status quo and 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 be innovative and be creative and be you know experimental and all of that jazz we're always worried about being bad at something so mm -hmm. it's really difficult to start from scratch and I think that's one of the things I'm actually very good at I go right I've, I've perfected that and I'm, I don't want to do it anymore because it will become boring and it become derivative what's the next thing and obviously if I start something new and I've done everything from welding to sculpture there probably isn't anything that I haven't tried I'm bad at it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's it's okay because you think I'll get better and it's the yeah. joy is in the is in the learning because then when you do achieve something really like, oh that. and I see that all the time I work with so many parents and kids and, and the parents would come in when I was doing workshops and they didn't want to engage right and then by the time I'd actually broken down their barriers I couldn't get them out of the room mm -hmm. I've worked with businesses on this type of thinking as well and again they were so I, I honestly believe the more expert we think we become the more closed we become 
-hmm. And I guess it's about having that childlike thinking that actually it doesn't matter if I'm good or bad. This is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And whilst you're doing it, you're also helping others because they go, well, if you can do that, I can do that. It's all right. It's right to be bad at some point. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but honestly, I just wish age is honestly, to me, an irrelevance. Obviously, you've got more years on the clock, but things are just as awesome. Like yesterday, we were driving back from Wales, and I think we must have seen six rainbows, and I had to photograph every single one. I understand how they work in physics, but it doesn't matter. To me, it's still magic. Yeah. And I never want to get rid of that. The oh, wonderful, wonderful. I think we <laughs> definitely should keep the magic in our lives, really, because that's the way to be that curiosity, that kind of want of something different, the kind of the wishful thinking, the dreamer. Actually, I was asked a question the other day, if you're on a deserted island, what would you do? And I went, dream, because I was always a dreamer when I was a child. And we need to have that in the world. You know, you need to be dreamy. You dream ideas, you dream of things, you dream of solutions, you dream of practicalities, you dream of, you know, what could be, et cetera, et cetera. So that curiosity should keep on living yes. and being there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that doesn't change with age. In fact, it should be, especially now in an era where we have so much information. I mean, I've just discovered AI and it's blown my mind. But again, AI is just a tool, you know, it's and it's only as good as the person on the other end. But we have a lot of cognitive bias built in, in on that. And the only way you're going to change that is to have everyone engaging with it across all ages so that you balance it out and it's really really important absolutely totally agree so let's move on jasmine to um, the bonuses so what five tips would you give to anyone under 50 i guess the first one would be to it's okay to not know what it is that you're supposed to be <laughs> right and this idea that you have to be a thing um I again I think is over now this idea of having one job for your whole life forget that you're going to mm -hmm. have to reinvent yourself and I, I've done it and I'm doing it again and it's a bit more scary when you're a bit older but um that that just you know, we can't you're going to have to reinvent yourself um so that's that's one thing uh, the second thing is remember that anything good takes time right you can't you can't just be good at something overnight. And actually, it's not even about the being good at something. It's it's such a cliche, isn't it? It's about the journey. But the stuff you learn on the way, you might... And this, I guess, is where making art is so fundamental. If you start out with the concept of exactly what you're going to make by the end, invariably, it will not be very good. But if you start out, you just literally get in the studio and go, actually, I have no idea what's really... And then you just start making and and using all those senses, you know, because again, we need to use our senses far more because then we would be able to engage with the natural world a bit more. Something will come from that, just from the doing, right? Without that, this sort of, you know, what's the outcome? The next thing is um, who's around you is of fundamental importance. Um, I've seen that with my son. Um, wonderful things happen when you have like-minded people around you who support you and you support them. And in fact, it's it's even nicer to give support than it is to receive. And that also happens with your family. Just because you may have differing opinions on something, try and learn to park it. Don't go, do you know what? Not immediately going to go in and have an argument with you. I'm just going to try and listen and see if I can look at the world from a slightly different perspective. Um, fourth thing is um, you're always going to get resistance. <laughs> 
and you might think I've got the best idea in the world and you may well have but don't expect everyone else to to realize that and this is why I think you've got to be so true to what yourself and know that authentically that's the basis of your being because that's the only thing that's going to get you through the really really hard days all of this is possible as long as you can stay healthy enough to do things so look after yourself and also if you're it's funny i'm kind of going through this with my son a little bit at the moment it's oh we have so much toxic positivity which i really dislike it's okay to be sad and mm-hmm. it's okay to be miserable and it's okay to wallow and i think one of the one of the benefits of age is that you know that however bad it gets you will come out the other side because you have before but it's difficult to understand that when you're young because you haven't quite had that that many experiences of being resilient. I could probably waffle on, but I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not waffling, and they all make sense. So thank you very much for that. Um, are there three tips you give to anybody who's over 50 and listening? Regardless of whether you've had major ambitions or major achievements, we've all achieved things. I think sometimes we forget the very act of bringing a life into the world, for example, and and making sure that they can you know get on that's huge that's that's like being you know most women not women not just women i know men do it as well but very often it's women. we are ceos of a family that's effectively what we are we run an entire business which is never really noticed or seen um and i guess sometimes that's hard to deal with because you think, i'd like a little pat on the back i'm not asking for a great deal <laughs> um knowing that in fact, now with the possibility that we can live well into our 90s, 50 is like, what is it, halfway, just over halfway. Mm-hmm. All the really cool stuff is still to come. And that you have a responsibility purely because you have been around here for a bit longer to pass on, to mentor, to to pass on those experiences, to, to help others as well. Because I know I couldn't have done the things that I have. I've had so many guardian angels in my life that have appeared just when I needed them. And I think the thing you realize as you get older is that it's your job now to sometimes be the guardian angel to somebody else. And of course, it's is it is it selfless? No, it's not. It's selfish, isn't it, when we do things for other people. But I think, um, yeah, that's really important. And also realize that you're probably, it's funny, um, Kieran, I, you never, you don't set out to be a role model. I didn't, and I'm sure I'm not a role model to huge numbers, but I know that I am to some, especially the younger women that I know. And you kind of, and you've just been getting on and doing things. You're going, wow, I'm actually setting an example. I didn't mean to. It's all a bit accidental, but um, but it's it's great because it's occasionally, yeah, you need a little bit of positive reinforcement. Think, yeah, I know I'm doing the right thing, and I guess just to realize that not everyone's going to get it. Your family's not going to get it. You're going to get resistance, but just to do it anyway. <laughs> That's it, really. I think you've said some really valid points there, Jasmine. I think really at the end of the day, you know, you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to be a role model. You have to stand out. You know, I was always disliked throughout my life, really, I'll be honest. Get to a point in my life where I'm going, well, I'm not any of the things that people told me I was. This is who I am. Came into myself, I would say, after 52. And and here I am today, where I have a voice, wanting to change things. And I think you have to become a role model because you have to become a role model for other people. 
but also for the younger generation. You know, it's not just people of your own age. It's people for, um, it's women who are younger as well, who are coming up, who will be that age one day. Because I don't think they, you know, when you're young, you don't realise you're going to be old, older. Oh, you know. and, and actually, Kieran, just to go back to the under 50, another thing I absolutely have to say, because I actually had to do this with a couple of my colleagues last year. Don't say to a woman in particular, wow, you look good for your age. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I got really annoyed by this although it was a problem and I just went ladies can we talk about my accomplishments of work can we talk about you know what I've done with my art can we talk about what but don't judge me just because I haven't fallen apart and and I remember that the next day one of them wrote to me and apologized and said you know I didn't realize and mm. I said because it's it's I know you think of being complimentary but we wouldn't do that to a man for example mm. we just wouldn't we wouldn't go mm. oh well done for not having fallen apart yet Wow, you just wouldn't do that. <laughs> I think people see it in a different way, don't they? I mean, I, somebody said to me, you look good for your age. I go, thank you very much. I know I do. I'm an example of that, right? <laughs> so it depends on what badge you want to carry or what you want yeah. to put on your, you know, on, on yourself. I'm okay. It's like, I don't take it as an insult. It's like, yeah, I know. Don't I? Just. This is where you change the narrative because you're going, well, don't put me in a box then. Or don't put yeah. X in a box. Don't put Y in a box. Because... There isn't a box that you can put us in. And that's exactly what you're trying to do. So it's quite interesting how people see that, um, you know, that compliment or that remark. Um, but anything else you'd like to say, Jasmine, before we finish off the... No, no I think what you're doing okay. is incredibly valuable. So thank you, because these only it only happens when one person puts a great deal of work into something like this. And um, and it is an ongoing conversation. And the more of these conversations, you know, you only learn about things when people talk about them. And I think I think so many women have been frightened to talk about getting older because, let's face it, ageism is huge in, in mm -hmm. the world of work and in so many other things. But it's only by being brave. Because I thought I actually need to say something about this rather than just complaining about it in private, that people, it becomes the norm. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't even think about it. And we're very far away from that. But that's basically what we have to move towards. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for creating um, a space in which people can talk about it. And hopefully, if not necessarily inspire, maybe allow other people to know, do you know what? I'm not the only one who's feeling like this. this I'm not the only one going on this, this difficult journey. Um, but it's also incredibly exciting. Isn't it wonderful to be at the forefront of things as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, you really want to be at the forefront of change. You know, why should you, as you said earlier on, it's not for the young and it's not for the people who are just about to die. It's for everybody in between. Right. So it's anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter how old you are. Fact is, if you've got something of value and you want to bring a change into the world, then you need to stand out. You need to step up. And I never thought when I was a kid, my my parents always thought I was going to be a dreamer. They thought, oh, how should you go to navigate life? Well, look at where we are now. I mean, <laughs> I'm navigating life on my own. That's great. Thank you very much. And, you know, you can do what you want to do when you feel when the timing is right. And the timing was this. And, um, and that's where we are. And, you know, yourself and other women who come on this podcast, I'm so, so happy for all the women who are coming on to this podcast because they're having 
their voice heard, they're having their stories told, um, we're show they're being showcased and you know profiled. And I just think it's fabulous because it's not one woman, it's many, many, many women. And now we have got such a momentum going that you know in the next series it's going to be a weekly uh, release rather than fortnightly. So women are just like, yeah, I'll come on this. I'm gonna say what I need to say. I want to show the world what I'm doing, and I'm 50 plus. So thank you very much, world. And it is about building confidence because it does it does take an element of courage to to come out and you know to to say no, I am here. I do exist. This is what I'm doing. And yeah, the more women who are doing it, the more we go. This is yeah, this is okay. You know, and and that's because I. It's funny how much I actually struggled with this. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I've never struggled with anything before. But um, in in this way, and that's. But it's good to do stuff that you find hard or that you struggle with. It's good. It's good to do stuff like that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for today. Thank you for giving your telling your story, and I really wish you all the best for all what you're doing, especially COP twenty eight. We need to go and change the world. And um, if I can do anything to assist, please give me thank a shout. Thank, thank you, you, Jasmine. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the You Are Not Invisible After 50 podcast. If you want to hear more from some amazing women over 50 who are kicking ass and making impact, then don't forget to subscribe to our podcast available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember to rate, comment and share with other fabulous women. And together, let's change the narrative that you don't have to be invisible no matter how old you are. Check out our other services on www.you'renotinvisibleafter50.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and TikTok. And always remember that life doesn't have to end at 50. In fact, it's just the beginning.